Welcome to Stanford Innovation Lab. I'm Tina Seelig, Professor of the Practice in the Department of Management Science and Engineering at Stanford University. This podcast is designed to give you a taste of the topics we explore in our classes on innovation and entrepreneurship. Hello, and welcome back to the Stanford Innovation Lab. Today's episode features Beverly Parenti, who, along with her husband, Chris Redlitz, founded The Last Mile, which is dedicated to teaching prison inmates the entrepreneurial and technology skills needed to succeed once they're released. On today's episode, we'll talk about the constraints they needed to overcome in order to deliver their programs inside prisons. Beverly and I will discuss how they leverage those limitations to fuel creative problem solving. We recorded this conversation at the Last Mile headquarters in the Soma District of San Francisco, so you may hear some sounds of the city just outside the windows of the room where we spoke. I know you'll find Beverly's experiences building the programs fascinating, and will gain a much deeper understanding of the challenges that newly released prisoners face when reintegrating into society. Without further ado, here's Beverly. Beverly, this is such a treat to talk to you today. I am a huge fan of yours. And of course, I love the fact that we met maybe nine years ago on an airplane. That's right. And uh, the rest is history. Our lives just kept intersecting until I think the, the God said we must be friends. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dina. It's really a, an honor to be here. Um, I value our friendship and your support and participation in the last mile over the years has just provided so much value to the students and to us, and we're grateful for that. Well, thank you so much. In this episode, we're going to look at problems from a really different perspective, the idea of how do you solve really challenging problems when you have really considerable constraints? And you, in your situation, have had to face this in spades, because you're teaching entrepreneurship and innovation and technology with inside the walls of San Quentin Prison. Can you tell us a little bit about the Last Mile program to get us all on the same page? Last Mile began in 2010. It was actually this crazy idea that my husband, Chris Redlitz, brought home one evening after he had been inside San Quentin by invitation to speak to a group of men about business and entrepreneurship. And at the time, we ran a technology accelerator in San Francisco. And he went inside, and I thought he would be there for about 30 minutes. Uh, An hour passed, two hours. He hadn't come home yet. He finally came home, and he was just all aglow and raving about the experience. Um, he, he spoke to a group of men who were so passionate about entrepreneurship because after all, many of them were in business, which really led to their incarceration because their businesses were just on the wrong side of the law, but they were hustlers and entrepreneurs. And they had so many questions about technology because many had been locked up before they even had a chance to be online. So I've had the chance to go up and join you a few times and to teach these men in the program. And like you, I've been blown away by their passion, their drive, and their hunger to learn. I mean, really, they're, learning this material is life or death for them. And so I, you get it. Um, I have never had students who were so engaged. I know, though, that teaching in that environment has a tremendous number of constraints. And why don't you talk about the constraints that exist, because then we can start thinking about how you were able to essentially figure out some creative ways around them. So I would say constraints 
equal fuel. And that is how I looked at it. We, we started our entrepreneurship program. We ran that for four years, and we decided to add another component to it, which is computer coding, because that will specifically lead to a job. So the constraint we had, A, is bringing the equipment in, and B, teaching computer coding without internet connectivity. So how do you do that? Simulated environment, proprietary platform, and a lot of hard work and determination. But it's not just the functionality that provided constraints. It was having the blessing of the administration not only in Sacramento, but also in the individual institutions. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, were the authorities there enthusiastic about this program? Uh, How did you end up convincing them that this was something that would actually work? Well, first we had to convince the men that it was, we had to see if the men inside San Quentin were actually even interested in participating in the program. And that's sort of a constraint in itself. Um, So we got through that hurdle. And um, we had already built the trust of the administration over four years period of time that we ran our entrepreneurship program. So they they trusted us and and we earned their trust, the trust of the men. Um, And Truthfully, we found a champion inside. The CEO, the man who runs CalPIA, Chuck Patillo, um, just runs the career training education programs in all the California facilities. And he believed in us. He believed in the idea because what we're teaching is specific to a career track that will provide gainful employment on the outside, and that's his goal. So finding a champion, someone who can help support what you do, help you navigate through the system, um, really helped lift many of the constraints that we had. So I'm curious, you've been obviously very involved with the Silicon Valley startup scene, where there are certain ways that you do things and the way things get done. And when you were then in prison, had to do it differently. Did you find that you're, there was some interesting tapping into some creativity in solving those problems when you had all those constraints uh, that didn't happen when you were in such an abundant environment outside? Absolutely, Yes. It causes one to think deeply about the problem, to be open to ideas that you may never have thought of when you have such an abundance of resources. It makes you try harder and harder. And as I said earlier, it provided fuel for us to really go deep into figuring out a solution. And, and as you always say, you know, it's not a, uh, an obstacle, it's an opportunity. And we really framed the problem in a way that we could find an opportunity to be successful within the constraints. So I'm curious, did you find that any of the solutions that you came up with inside that very constrained environment of the prison ended up being useful outside of prison? Well, for me personally... I found that learning how to work within the constraints and learning how to navigate 
in a very controlled environment made me a better leader, a better listener, and made me really step back from um, the way I looked at situations and challenges in my own organization. Can you give an example? So a, you know, a um, big problem that we had to begin with was just going into the Sacramento office of CDCR and just trying to explain to them what we were doing because technology is not necessarily something that is looked on as a positive experience for inmates. So what is CDCR? Oh, I'm sorry. The California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation. Aha. Uh-huh. Of course. Of course. I know. All the acronyms, right? I will try not to speak in too many acronyms. <laughs> so just going inside and, and explaining what we were trying to do was hard. Um, and trying to pace ourselves and just give them a little bit at a, at a time that they could actually absorb. So I didn't go in with a big ask. I gave the big picture, and then I was willing to work within the constraints that they placed upon us, and then be successful with that. And then as they saw our success and built more trust and understood what our objectives were, then we'd get a little bit more. And we'd be able to progressively expand the program and have fewer constraints because we had earned trust. So let's talk about the types of constraints that folks who get out of prison have. I mean, there's housing, there's jobs, there's getting reintegrated into the community. I mean, can can you talk about those constraints that people have and, and the creative ways that they try to address that? The number one issue in my opinion, is is getting a job, um, but housing is also really tough. Um, and reintegrating into their families. And also think about not having, having a very regimented schedule, just like students do, or people in the military. But in prison, you have to be somewhere at a certain time every single day, and ev- not every hour of the day, but close to it. And here, all of a sudden, you're free. And no one's telling you when to go to breakfast. No one's telling you what to do at any period of time. That in itself poses an extraordinary challenge to a lot of the people that I've spoken with who have been free. Um, So how do they deal with that? Each individual has, of course, their own way of dealing with it. But dealing, being part of a group And having mentors and a support group when they get out is vitally important. Um, Getting a job. I mean, they've got to prepare while they're still inside, which is why our program is inside prison, not a reentry program. But they walk out the gate. Imagine being able to walk out the gate knowing about technology, even though you've been locked up for decades of time knowing that you have skills to get a job, and knowing that you have savings and you could support your family. So I think that our students, and I can only speak for men and women of the last mile, start preparing for the constraints that they're going to encounter before they ever get out the gate. I'm sure that uh, it's a very easy way when you've got a lot of candidates for a job to quickly eliminate those people who click the box that said that they were a former um, Convicted felon, right. That's right. So um, 
I'm really curious how this type of experience for you over the last few years has changed the way you think about creative problem solving in general and all the other problems and projects that you take on. I know that working in and running this program is only one of the many things that you do. How has it changed the way you think about dealing with problems that have constraints? What is a problem? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean that, you know, kind of in jest, but not really, because if I, I feel like if we can persevere and if we can implement a program like the last mile within the most restrictive environment, that anything is possible. And I think it has really sharpened my problem-solving skills and ability. And, you know, I'm so grateful to have been able to implement the program and to help and serve a population that I knew nothing about. Um, just doing the research to understand why this is a critical, critical program for society and not just for San Quentin and not just for California, but for, for the U.S. I mean, you know, we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's incarcerated population. Unbelievable. It is. So it even goes beyond that because the spending that we have for prisons is five times we spend five times more in prisons than we do on higher education. So my goal initially was to reduce recidivism so we could free up the money for education so our children could have more opportunity especially in the underserved communities. Because look at the constraints that they live under. They don't have equal opportunity if they don't have education. So that's kind of the all those constraints led to this program. Well, I remember when I was up at the last mile, um, the last time I was there, and one of the men who was in the coding program had literally given up his ability to get out. He, he was up for parole, and he made the decision not to get released so that he could finish the last mile program. I mean, that is quite a remarkable endorsement. Can you imagine that? I'd like to stay in prison longer. No one asked to stay longer. He asked to stay in prison so he could complete the program, realizing that on the outside, uh, he wouldn't have that type of support. Well, I remember when we were standing around in a circle with the students and the men, and one of the men said, how would you feel if you were judged by the worst thing you had ever done in your life? And I know that everybody in the room understood now. The students probably haven't done the sort of things that they have, but they know what it's like to have made mistakes in their life. And uh, they understood that these men really, really want to start over. I'll just add one more thing, and they, they deserve a second chance. Um, all the participants in our program have had exemplary behavior while they're incarcerated. Um, but I think that when we're talking about constraints, when you hear their stories and you understand the constraints they had while they were growing up, and then to meet them and to understand how they have overcome the odds that were 100% against them and that they became the person they are today is extraordinary. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Beverly's experiences teaching entrepreneurship and technology inside prison. After spending time with her at San Quentin, I can attest that they're doing really remarkable work. If you want to know more about the organization, I encourage you to visit their website, thelastmile.org. 
In the next episode of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to my fascinating colleague, Bob Sutton, about creative friction. He's a masterful educator and has written many books on the subject. Also, please don't forget about our creative challenge involving unmatched socks, which we announced last week. All the details are in the podcast. I'm already seeing some really interesting submissions and look forward to sharing the best ones with you at the end of the season. This podcast is brought to you by Stanford eCorner and the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, the Entrepreneurship Center at Stanford School of Engineering. Stanford Innovation Lab is produced and edited by Eli Shell. Our digital solutions manager is Sarah Khan, with software development by Davor Senkovic. Our designer is Daniel Stusi, and communications and marketing are led by Mike Pena and Monica Yort. You can find additional podcasts, videos, and articles at ecorner.stanford.edu. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on both this podcast and our ETL series. So please follow us on Twitter and eCorner. And if you're a fan of the series, please leave a review on iTunes. Finally, remember, entrepreneurs do much more than imaginable with much less than seems possible.